The scripture reading before Dan's lesson this morning is, if you'd like to follow along, will be Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. Acts 18, 1 through 4. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy, and his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So because he was the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. Everywhere that Jesus' Apostle Paul went, there was opportunity. Because he was making Christ his vision and being led by his spirit, in every city, no matter the situation, there was someone to meet and there was work to be done. And much like the spirit leading Paul to Troas connected him with Luke, who would go on to write Acts, coming to Corinth alone brought him to another pair of people who would end up becoming lifelong friends, Aquila and Priscilla. You see, at this stage of his second missionary journey, Paul's co-workers Silas and Timothy had gone back to Thessalonica to check on the young Christians facing intense persecution there, even though it left him on his own. But he wouldn't be alone for long, because soon after arriving in Corinth, a major city with a notorious reputation for immorality and idol worship, Paul found this Jewish husband and wife who also had recently just moved to Corinth. And like Paul, they were also tent makers by trade. What are the odds? But when Christ is your vision, things like that tend to happen. People come into your life at just the right time. And it makes all the difference. For Paul, it meant fellowship. It meant a place to stay. It meant a way to earn a living which allowed him to present the gospel free of charge, especially each Sabbath in the synagogue. But proclaiming Jesus as the Christ to Jews and Gentiles wasn't just a weekend activity for Paul. While he might make tents to pay the bills, there was no question what his true occupation really was. Because in Acts chapter 18 and verse 5, we read, When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia... Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. Whether he was making tents or preaching in the synagogue, Paul's vision was clear. When he worked hard as an honest, quality tradesman, or taught God's word persuasively, demonstrating an excellent grasp on scripture, his focus was always Jesus. Every relationship, every interaction, every opportunity was for Jesus. When Silas and Timothy finally caught up with him, that's where they found him, occupied with the word, testifying that Jesus is the Christ. And while we won't all stand before an assembly like this one and preach, we all should be fully occupied with Christ. You see, that's the key. A life of vision is one where Jesus isn't part of your life. 
an activity for Christmas or Easter or even just Sundays. He is your life every day. And that's different than how many of us normally live. Because the way we normally live life is to have relationships just based on family ties or common interests or mutual attraction. It's to find a home because that's where we want to live or work a job because we need money and someone's willing to pay us to do something. And at one level, all of that was true for Paul too, but his life was also so much more. Aquila and Priscilla were more than just his work friends. Tent making was more than just a way to make ends meet. Corinth was more than just a place to hang his hat for a season. It was a mission field. Because he was pursuing a vision from Christ, every element of his life had incredible meaning. His relationships were deeper because God brought them together. His work was significant because whether he was preaching or tent making, he was working heartily for the Lord. Everywhere he went, everything he did, he was there at that moment for Christ because the Spirit had led him there. And the same can be true for us. Jesus wants more for your life than to compel you to attend some services a couple times a year or even once a week. You see, he cares immensely about where you spend eternity, but he also cares about every day of your life until then. He cares about your relationships, your career, where you live. He knows what you need and He wants to provide it. He wants to make your life, all of your life, more abundant. He wants the joy that He feels from His right relationship with God to be in you. And for your joy to be full. But for that to happen, we need to be occupied. With Him. Our lives can be more, but it means we don't just live them chasing our desires. That we aren't trying to call all the shots, only ever praying in hopes that God will give us what we want. Please and thank you. It means our relationships are more than a series of transactions. Where I love you, as long as you make me feel loved. It means our work is more than just whatever pays the best. When Christ is our vision, we are occupied with Him in all of it. We want to love our spouses the way that Jesus loves us. We want our children to have a clear understanding of who God is as their Father, from whom we are as their parents. We want the people we work for, and for some of us, the people who work for us, To see Christ through how we deal with them. That's a big change. It gives Jesus a much larger role than most people. Even most religious people are accustomed to giving him. You see, often we don't mind talking about Jesus in the abstract. We like a Messiah who will come and do everything for us and expect nothing of us. The problem though is that's not the real Jesus. So it's not really a surprise that Paul eventually encountered opposition in Corinth. 
Just like he did everywhere else. Because when Christ is your vision, though, anytime one door closes, the Spirit does have a way of opening another. Because as we continue with this story in Acts 18, verses 6 through 8, And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent. From now on, I'll go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. Paul had endured so much to share the good news of Jesus with the Corinthians. And even though he blessed those who cursed him, was patient with those who abused him, appealed gently when evil things were said about them, some of them still just treated him like garbage. Faced with opposition and reviling, he decided it was just no longer fruitful to keep reasoning in that synagogue. Not that it had been a waste at all. Some people were one for Christ. Other seed had been planted. And he wasn't running from trouble. From the beginning, Paul proclaimed the testimony of God in weakness and in fear and much trembling. It's just that he had accomplished what he could there and determined the juice was no longer worth the squeeze, so to speak. It was time to move on. Though he didn't have to go far. Because Titius Justice lived right next door. Much like Cornelius in Caesarea in Acts 10 and Lydia in Philippi in Acts 16, here was another Gentile worshiper of God who enthusiastically received the good news about Jesus that his apostles preached. And once again, he was right there. Have you noticed that God has a way of doing that? He keeps working it all out so that those who are truly seeking him find him. So that those who are seeking to share him find open doors for his word. Right next door to the synagogue, Paul could not only continue reaching out to the Jewish people who were seeking, but also to the Gentiles. And as a result, many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. So we see here, when Christ is our vision, we keep moving. People, even those who know better, may act pretty awful. We may have to endure difficult things, even feeling sometimes like people are kicking us when we're already down. But when Christ is your vision, He becomes your shield and sword for the fight. He is our dignity. Not what anyone else says or does. He's our delight, no matter what situation we find ourselves in. This is what He wants for us, to shelter our souls, to be our high tower. He gives power that raises us up. You know, 2022 has been a pretty awful year for a lot of us here. That probably is starting to sound like a broken record, because so was 2021. So was 2022. But whereas we all suffered in those years with a global pandemic and a societal turmoil... This year's pain seems to have been a little bit more personal. Just in the past 12 months, we have had worlds rocked by cancer diagnoses, NICU stays, ER visits, and health issues. 
after health issue, after health issue, and all of the bills that tend to accompany said health issues. We've had to bury parents, relatives, dear friends, sometimes just weeks apart. We've had families in pain that we just can't make go away. Workplaces in chaos. Prices are up. Stocks are down. USC beat Clemson. But with Christ as our vision, we can keep moving. We don't have to get stuck in all of that turmoil. We can move forward from opposition and even reviling with confidence, holding our heads up high because God is the lifter of our heads. We can keep moving with confidence that the pain wasn't wasted because when we're occupied with Christ, even in the midst of the mess, lessons are being learned. Examples are being set. Seed is being sown. Paul may have had to move because of opposition in the synagogue, but after that, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, came to believe in the Lord with his whole family. Sosthenes, another ruler of the synagogue, even suffered persecution later in this chapter and was named as a co-author of 1 Corinthians with Paul. When Christ is our vision, none of what we go through is wasted, and if we will just keep moving with him, opportunity will be right around the corner. But don't take my word for it. Take Jesus's. Because in Acts chapter 18, beginning with verse 9, And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. This will be our final vision of Jesus in this series. And what a great place to end. Because Jesus says, do not be afraid. That's familiar, isn't it? That's something that's often said by and because of Jesus. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God, Gabriel said to her in announcing Jesus' conception. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, an angel similarly said to Joseph in a dream. To the shepherds in the field, an angel proclaimed, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. Jesus told a father whose daughter had just died before going to raise her. Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus reassured his frightened apostles as they saw him walk on water. Do not be afraid, the angel said to the women at the tomb. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, as he said. And then there's what the risen Jesus said to them himself that Sunday morning. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. 
and there they will see me. So for King Jesus to appear to Paul one night in a vision and tell him, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. It makes sense. It is completely consistent with what God has been saying and with where the Spirit has been leading. Even though things had been difficult, Jesus encouraged Paul to keep going. And it's not that there was no risk, because there was. Much of what Paul faced was uncertain and dangerous. It's not that life with Christ is guaranteed to be effortless and comfortable. Paul often suffered for Christ's sake. In fact, that was part of Christ's vision for his life. Yet Paul could keep going because Jesus said to him, I am with you. Just like his prophesied name, Emmanuel, means God with us, as Matthew quoted in the beginning of his gospel. Just like the risen Jesus said in his great commission at the end of Matthew, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Paul could keep moving, even when things were hard, because Jesus was with him. He could keep preaching in Corinth because Jesus had many people there. And even if you don't preach like Paul, Christ's words to him are an encouragement for us to keep going too because we are Jesus' people. And he is with us. Whatever this year has held for you, whatever is still to come, Jesus has been with you. Because you're here. You've experienced his healing or his grace sufficient to bear with the pain. You've experienced his comfort or strength enough to persevere. If you've given your loyalty to King Jesus, if you repented and were baptized in his name, receiving from Him the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, you are one of Jesus' people. So be fully occupied with Him and keep moving. Make Christ your vision. Seek Him in everything you do. Never stop talking about Him. He'll bring meaning to the difficult stuff and He will open doors to a better future just around the corner. Because Jesus was with Paul in Corinth, one of the worst cities around. And for a year and a half, one of his longer stays anywhere up to this point, he taught the word of God among them. Now, it wasn't easy, but that difficulty is still bearing fruit today. Because of it, we have the New Testament letters of 1 and 2 Corinthians to teach and help us grow. 1 Corinthians 13, with its beautiful description of God's love, love that is patient and kind, that does not envy or boast, can be read at your wedding, it can decorate your walls, it can change your relationships, because Jesus was with Paul 2,000 years ago in difficulty. Now eventually, Paul was attacked in Corinth. In the next paragraph of Acts 18, some of the Jews progressed from religious argument and personal reviling to try to get him arrested and punished by the local Roman authorities. Yet Jesus was with him. Paul relied on God and was delivered from deadly peril again and again. And even when years later the time for his departure came, as we see in 2 Timothy chapter 4, with Christ as his vision, Paul remained confident. 
I fought the good fight, he wrote to Timothy. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Even when everyone else deserted him, leaving him to stand on trial before Caesar alone, Paul wrote, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And that confidence, that hope, that vision that Paul had, it wasn't just for himself. He said that reward was not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Is that you? Do you love his appearing? Is Christ your vision? Make Christ your vision like he was for Saul and Ananias. For Peter and Cornelius. For Paul and Luke and Lydia. Recognize that you need to regain your sight. Really wrestle with God's word so that you can learn to see clearly. Heed the spirit and follow where he leads. And Christ will be with you. And if we can help you with that. By fulfilling your desire to believe and be baptized. Or by helping you in prayer. Come talk to me while we stand and sing.